Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen Center for Media Evangelization in Ewing, New Jersey, welcome to Come to Me with Jim Manfredonia. Stay tuned for an hour of talk, reflections, and meditations on topics that are important to today's Catholics. And now, here is your host, Jim Manfredonia. Good day to you, my friends. Welcome once again to Come to Me. My name is Jim Manfredonia. As always, it is a great joy to be here with you as we share this time together every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday on this Feast of the Presentation of Our Lord, Candlemas Day. And, uh, you know, the, I think the secular society tried to grab it away again by calling this Groundhog Day. But today is the presentation, the Feast of the Presentation. And on the old calendar, was the last day of the Christmas season. So we still have our nativity set set up here in the hallways. <laughs> I don't know if it's because we're following the old calendar or we just haven't quite gotten around to taking it down yet. But anyway, I'm praying you're having a blessed, happy, and holy day on this Wednesday and thanking you for taking uh, the time out of your day to share with me. I, I am going to share with you the first reading from today's Mass for the Feast of the Presentation from Malachi, chapter 3, uh, and then also go on to the Holy Father's general audience message from this morning over in Rome, and his theme today was Christ is the bond uniting the communion of saints. And then we'll move on to Holy Father St. Pope John Paul II's beautiful apostolic exhortation, Familiaris Consortio, 1981, on the family, and continue some teaching from that beautiful document. Uh, we need to hear it. Uh, from John Paul, and today the indivisible, indivisible unity of conjugal communion. So we'll get to that as well. First, we are going to pray, my brothers and sisters. So as always, I invite you wherever you are listening, and of course we're coming to you on all of our domestic church media radio stations here in New Jersey and Pennsylvania, but now also through the marvel of technology uh, the Amazon Echo device, the Google Home device, streaming audio, our free mobile app, on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash domesticchurchmedia, uh, on our Facebook page, you can watch the program on both YouTube and Facebook right now. Um, so we're reaching around the world, so there is a wonderful team of prayer warriors out there who want to pray with you and pray for you. As I've been sharing with you, you know, when I check our downloads of our free mobile app, over 2,000 downloads around the world, and I mean around the world, every continent uh, but Antarctica. Um, and I, when I was checking, I still think it's, a, it's fascinating that we had over 180 downloads, I think, in, uh, in Israel. <laughs> so people in Israel listening to domestic church media. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. So let's now uh, unite ourselves in heart and mind and, and coming together as brothers and sisters in the Lord. Uh, you know, our theme for our Radiothon in, in April is going to be we, is, we Are One Body. And it's time now. I think it's time that we really begin to focus on unity and unifying once again. We've been so uh, segregated. 
by this pandemic over the past two years. Lockdowns, shut-ins, socially distancing, putting masks on. Hopefully now we're coming to the end. We're coming together as brothers and sisters in the Lord uh, right now and uh, raising our hearts and minds to the throne of Almighty God in prayer. So let's begin in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And, of course, we take all of these intentions, all of your intentions, my brothers and sisters, whatever they are, we're praying still this beautiful prayer of consecration, consecrating our families to the Holy Family of Nazareth. So uh, I invite you to do that, but also to remember to pray with and for each other's intentions as well. O Lord Jesus, you lived in the home of Mary and Joseph in Nazareth. There you grew in age, wisdom, and grace as you prepared to fulfill your mission as our Redeemer. We entrust our family to you. O Blessed Mary, you are the mother of our Savior. At Nazareth, you cared for Jesus and nurtured him in the peace and joy of your home. We entrust our family to you. O St. Joseph, you provided a secure and loving home for Jesus and Mary and gave us a model of fatherhood while showing us the dignity of work. We entrust our family to you. O Holy Family, we consecrate ourselves and our family to you. May we be completely united in a love that is lasting, faithful, and open to the gift of new life. Help us to grow in virtue, to forgive one another from our hearts, and to live in peace all our days. Keep us strong in faith, persevering in prayer, diligent in our work, and generous toward those in need. May our home, O Holy Family, truly become a domestic church where we reflect your example in our daily life. Amen. And we'll pray our prayers to St. Michael and also the beautiful ancient prayer to Our Lady, the Subtum Presidium prayer, uh, asking them and praying these prayers as Holy Father asks us to pray them every day uh, to protect the church from the attacks of the devil. And we add to that to protect our homes, our families, and our country from the attacks of the devil. And so we pray, St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle, be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. We fly to thy protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our petitions and our necessities, but deliver us always from all dangers, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. And we pray, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, we love you. Pray for us, Venerable Archbishop Sheen. Pray for us, St. Pope John Paul II. Pray for us, Our Lady of Good Remedy. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, again, my brothers and sisters, I thank you so much for praying together. It's always a special time, a special way to start our time together in prayer, because we do need so much prayer. Oh, the world needs so much prayer. Uh, but, you know, when we come together like this, and uh, as I've always said, I, I pray that this apostolate at Domestic Church Media, no matter how you listen or watch, whatever method you use to be here, you are here, and that it provides for you uh, that haven of hope, uh, that beacon of light that guides you into the safe harbor of the loving arms of our Savior, uh, and that no matter what the world is up to, whatever, no matter what the world is involved in, no matter what the world is throwing at you, your own little part of the world or the world as a whole, with all the threats of war and, 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 
and all the horrible things that are happening, that you feel safe here, you feel secure, you feel loved, uh, because we're here to proclaim the joy of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is a contradiction to the world today. You know, so much of, of today's world uh, is, is such a contradiction uh, with what Jesus brings to us, what Jesus asks of us, what he commands of us, to love one another. This is my commandment to you, to love one another as I have loved you. And there's so, in so many areas of the world today, so many areas of life today, there is such a lack of love. You know, we, we're going to talk about the family today in a special way, going to St. Pope John Paul II's beautiful apostolic exhortation on the family, as the Church teaches the basic cell of society, that that's where it all begins, and that that, that beautiful, beautiful cell, that beautiful cell of a basic cell of society that, that is, is created in love and is love, as God is love then grows and spreads out into other parts of, of our uh, society. But it has to start in the family. You know, the devil hates the family. He hates family unity. He hates the family. He knows that if he can disrupt and destroy and fracture and scatter the family, that he has done uh, something that is, is affecting the rest of society. John Paul, St. Pope John Paul II, would say, you know, as the family goes, so goes society. Well, the devil knows that if he tears down the family, it's going to have that ripple effect on society. So we pray for family unity. We pray for family love. We pray that this basic cell of society that is the family, the little domestic church, is protected and safe. And so when you come here and you share this time with me or any of the other uh, programs that we bring to you here on Domestic Church Media, that you feel that sense of community, that sense of family, and that when we are strong in number and the devil has no power here, no power here, as long as we remain faithful and remain in the state of grace and remain united in the love of Jesus. That's what I hope that you get from when you come here. It's so important for us to, to instill that. Let me share with you today, uh, today's first reading, I don't know if you had a chance to go to Mass or if you... Uh, listen to the Mass here on the station or watch it on the EWTN or any other means of, of uh, participating in Holy Mass. But today's first reading is from the book of the prophet Malachi. Thus says the Lord God, Lo, I am sending my messenger to prepare the way before me. And suddenly there will come to the temple the Lord whom you seek and the messenger of the covenant whom you desire. Yes, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who will endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like the refiner's fire, or like the fuller's lyre. He will sit refining and purifying silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi, refining them like gold or silver, that they may offer due sacrifice to the Lord. Then the sacrifice of Judah and Jerusalem will please the Lord, as in the days of old as in years gone by, the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In this particular reading, I've always, always held it dear to my heart. And I'll tell you, because it's also, it's also the reading <laughs> that is read at Mass on my birthday every year. 
and it's the same reading on my birthday every year because my birthday is December 23rd. It's in late Advent, so the readings in those late Advent days are always the same. And this is the reading on the 23rd of December. And I took this as a as a my own personal uh, um, commission from the Lord to be a messenger, to prepare the way. And of course, this reading from Malachi speaks of the Lord's first coming. We, my brothers and sisters here, of course, now waiting his great and glorious second coming. Oh, he's coming. He's coming back. And this time, everybody will know he's here. Not like that first coming in uh, Bethlehem at that first Christmas. The people were completely oblivious to him. When he comes again, people will know. He's going to come with the angels, and people will right away know he's here. You know, we need to be ready for that. Now, we may not be here on this earth at that time. It would be nice if we were. I think, <laughs> I think it, it's about time. Not that I'm going to set the Lord's schedule. It would be a nice time for him to come back now, right? Wouldn't it be nice to be there to witness that? But we're going to face his second coming one way or another. When we leave this world into the next, we'll see him face to face as he truly is. And, you know, this work that we do here, this apostolic work, to be the messenger of Jesus, to prepare the way in our own little way, is so important to us. And another uh, um, verse in this scripture that has always had a great impression on me, made a great impression on me, for he is like the refiner's fire, or like the fuller's lyre, he will sit refining and purifying silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi, refining them like gold or like silver. And I remember reading, and I've shared this with you, a reflection. I don't know who, who, who the reflection is by. It may have been an, an anonymous reflection. On that being purified and refined in the fire, uh, reading that the silversmith, <clears throat> was refining the silver, you know, in the fire, burning off all the, the imperfections. And someone asked the silversmith, how do you know when it's completely purified, when all the imperfections are gone? You're holding it in that fire, but how do you know when it's, when it's, when it's completely pure, completely purified? And the, the uh, silversmith said, I'll know it's completely purified when I can see my reflection in it. You know, you and I are asked to go through some purification, even in this world. Remember Father Groeschel saying, you don't think purgatory exists? Where do you think you are now? <laughs> some of the, what we have to, have to, you know, endure, right? But when the Heavenly Father can see his reflection in us is when that purification is is complete. We go through some difficult times. We go through some very trying times. And Almighty God only allows it to always bring about a greater good, no matter what that situation is. And so we have to be ready, and we want to be ready. Not only do we have to, we should want to be ready to meet the Lord. We should want to be in that most pure state, to have gone through whatever we've been asked to go through in this life, to be purified by God's love for us. And that love comes in many, many 
different ways, right? Now, Holy Father today, let me get to my little uh, my, my screen here, taught that Jesus Christ is the bond uniting the communion of saints. He prayed, uh, he first provided a brief catechesis on St. Joseph and the communion of saints today, saying that even when we rely fully on the intercession of a saint, or even more so that of the Virgin Mary, our trust only has value in relation to Christ. As if the path toward the saint or toward Our Lady does not end there. No, not there, but in relationship with Christ. He is the bond. Christ is the bond that unites us to him and to each other and which has a specific name. This bond that unites us all between ourselves and us with Christ, it is the communion of saints. You know, it's funny, I was thinking about this today before having read what the Holy Father said, but I was in our chapel praying my uh, daytime prayer and my rosary. And uh, we have a special intention, Cheryl, and I have been praying for for a long time now. And in praying the rosary, I ask Our Lady to intercede for us. And I ask the Lord to help us in this particular situation through Our Lady's intercession, because we don't just stop at Our Lady. We go to Jesus. And this is what Holy Father is saying. You know, the, if we, if, when, we fully, when we rely fully on the intercession of a saint or even that of the, the Blessed Mother, our trust only has value in relation to Jesus. Because they intercede for us. The path toward Our Lady doesn't end there. We don't just stop at Mary. Mary, you know, Our Lady's vocation is to lead us to Jesus. That's her main vocation, to lead us to Christ. Not to go to her and just stop there. And, and she'll say, if we go to Blessed Mother and, and, and in any way stop there, she'll point us, no, no, you go over there to my son. And I remember that. I'll tell you a funny story. <laughs> Many years ago, um, there was an opportunity in New York City. And I'm talking many, maybe 2004, so this is almost 20 years ago, where they were having an audition in New York. Um, the Yankees. <laughs> it was some kind of uh, promotion, but they're having an audition inviting people to come and do play-by-play -play to compete in a play-by-play, -play, uh, calling a baseball game, you know, a little, little, little section of it. And the winner of this competition would get to sit in the broadcast booth with the Yankee radio broadcasters for a game. It was being held at Mickey Mantle's restaurant in Manhattan near Central Park. And I thought, hey, I've always wanted to sit in the Yankee broadcast booth. I'll try this. So I drove into New York City, and I was going up Fifth Avenue, and of course, I was going toward Mickey Mantle's restaurant for this competition. But I passed St. I was passing St. Patrick's Cathedral, and I said, "Well, I better stop here and say a few prayers." First of all, Bishop Sheen is entombed there. This is, you know, we had just begun our work and and uh, have been invoking Bishop Sheen's uh, intercession on our behalf for this apostolate. And I remember I was driving up, I don't know what street it was, but it was, it was up, not on Fifth Avenue, but on the side street next to the cathedral. And I thought, wow, there's, there's, a, there's a space, a parking space right here on the street. 
<laughs> I can park right here, run in, pay a visit, and then get on my way to the to the competition. So I did. I parked there and I went in into the uh, cathedral, and and to the the back part of the cathedral. There's a little a little side alt, back altar. I don't know the official name, but there was a statue of Our Lady. And so I was kneeling down in prayer to Our Lady, and praying for the apostolate praying for what I was doing that day. You know, it'd be nice if I could sit in the booth. And I interiorly heard Our Lady say, no, 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 no. Turn around and go see my son. <laughs> and I didn't realize it, but behind me, on one of the side altars, there was exposition. And I literally heard Our Lady say, no, no, not here. Go see my son. So I went and I spent time with Jesus in, in, in front of the, the monstrance there for about 10 minutes. How to get on my way to go see, uh, to go to the competition, you know. And um, I went outside of the cathedral and I noticed that there were these boots on my car. <laughs> you know, the boots they put on when you're illegally parked? Well, I was illegally parked. And uh, it was a horrible situation. I, I had to call the, uh, the parking authority number that was on there. And said, well, how can I get my car unbooted? Well, you had to go over to the west side, and there was an address they gave me, the lower west side, and pay the fine. So I had to take a cab all the way over to this facility on the west side of Manhattan, lower west side, and pay my fine. You know what that fine? This is like 2004. The fine was 300 and some dollars, $324 just for them to remove the boots. So I paid the fine. I said, okay, now what? Well, go back to your car, and a parking authority officer will come and take the boots off. Had to take a cab all the way back to St. Patrick's, and finally they came and took the boots off my car. And I thought, just echoing the the, the words of St. Catherine of Siena, Lord, this is how you treat your friends. It's no wonder you have so few. I stopped to see you. <laughs> my car is booted. And needless to say, I didn't get the gig in the broadcast booth either. But... Uh, point of the story was, don't stop at Mary, go to Jesus. And that's what the Holy Father is saying here. Um, devotion to the saints, he said, is simply talking to a brother, a sister, who is in the presence of God, who has led a righteous life, a model life, and is now in the presence of God. And I talk to this brother or sister and ask for their intercession for the needs that I have. And that should be our prayer to the saints. Um he shared a prayer to St. Joseph. He's recited for daily, he said, for 40 years, in which he said came from a late 18th century prayer book of the Sisters of Jesus and Mary. And the prayer, glorious patriarch St. Joseph, whose power makes the impossible possible, come to my aid in these times of anguish and difficulty. Take under your protection the serious and troubling situations that I commend to you, that they may have a happy outcome. My beloved Father, all my trust is in you. All my trust is in you. Let it not be said that I invoked you in vain. And since you can do everything with Jesus and Mary, show me that your goodness is great as, as great as your power. Amen. So that's the prayer that Holy Father Pope Francis prays every day. He's been praying it every day for 40 years. I'm going to get this prayer <laughs> printed out. <laughs> Let's pray it again. Let's pray this prayer again, you know, for whatever your special needs are right now. And I know what ours are here. 
Let's pray this prayer to St. Joseph. Glorious Patriarch St. Joseph, whose power makes the impossible possible, come to my aid in these times of anguish and difficulty. Take under your protection the serious and troubling situations that I commend to you, that they may have a happy outcome. My beloved Father, all my trust is in you. All my trust is in you. Let it not be said that I invoked you in vain, and since you can do everything with Jesus and Mary, show me that your goodness is as good as your power. Amen. What a great prayer. Did you pray it? Pray it for your special intention. I just prayed it for mine. What a beautiful prayer. So I'm going to print this out somehow, maybe get it on our website or do something with it. I think it's a a marvelous, marvelous and beautiful prayer that, uh, as Holy Father prays it every single day, he said. Every single day he prays it. And I think that we should start doing the same, don't you? Uh, So I'll put it over here so I don't forget it. Um, And then, let's see, Holy Father, we'll get through the whole thing. I'm seeing I'm running out of time here. I shouldn't have rambled up my little story. Um, After uh, the catechesis, the Holy Father asked for prayers on a multitude of international issues. Um, he's talking uh, about the situation, of course, in the Ukraine um, and even in, in China where there's threats. You know, once the Olympics are over, they're saying that there's a possibility that uh, China may invade Taiwan. We know that uh, the, the Ukrainian situation with Russia is is very volatile right now. Um, and these things, you know, these, uh, and so unfortunately, these things especially as it regards when it, when it involves Russia and China and the United States could evolve into something just cataclysmic. We mustn't be afraid. We have the power of prayer, but we also have to believe and understand that, you know, it's up to us given the, the, the tools that we have, the weapons that we have in this world uh, to do battle with that evil that exists uh, is a very powerful, powerful tool and weapon. So let's remember that. Let's remember now is a good time then to go to our, uh, you know, our favorite saints, you know, the ones we go to often. Go to Our Lady and, and invoke their intercession for peace in our world. Because, you know, it's when you put it in perspective of the 7 billion people in the world, and the fate of the world is in the control of just a very few individuals. Because most people in the world today want peace. They just want to live with each other peacefully. To not have the, the wars and the threats of wars that are out there. And sadly, today, we, we, don't, you know, we don't have a lot of control over that. And the, the situation that we, we know exists right now, especially the situation in the Ukraine and the possibility of a situation in Taiwan and China uh, once they say the, after the Olympics are over. And, of course, the whole pandemic thing has created such, uh, such uh, anger and division. But most people, I really believe most people in the world today, they just want to live, at peace, live in peace. You know, I don't want any any part of another country somewhere. I'm not going <laughs> to—you have your borders, your boundaries, and then leave. 
that the world is in such upheaval. And this is why I said earlier, I, I pray that when you come here, my friends, this is a place of peace for you. It's a place where you can come and relax and, and just, just feel the love of the Lord for you. Uh, to know that this is a place where you will, you will be prayed with and prayed for. This is a place where you can come and, and, and rejoice in the joy of, our, of the gospel of Jesus, the gospel by which we live, and that you know that even though the world may tell you otherwise, that this is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. That Jesus is, is your hope. That, you know, we, we, we don't put our trust in, in men, but in God. And that God sees everything as it is in the present moment. And we are here at this time for a reason and a purpose. And right now, you know, uh, we're having to deal with a lot of very, very uh, difficult situations. This pandemic situation now entering into its third year. It's hard to believe. It's hard to believe that we're going into the third year of this uh, pandemic. Although, I don't know if you saw the news today, there were reports uh, done out of Johns Hopkins University uh, indicating that the lockdowns that we had two years ago, those very strict lockdowns, um, did very little to prevent death and severe illness. Um, you know, so you wonder why these things happened the way they did and why they're still happening the way they do. But I think a lot of people are saying, you know what, I, I, we trust in the Lord. We have to live with this thing. God will take care of his own, and uh, we have to believe that. So I'm going to have to take a quick, whoa, quick break. <laughs> a little loud there. Quick break right now. And uh, I'll be back. We're going to go to St. Pope John Paul II's beautiful apostolic exhortation, Familiaris Consortio, on the family. So stay right there, my friends. I'll be right back. Sixty seconds with Mother Angelica. God created each one of us, but He had in mind, regardless of how we look from childhood to old age, we change physically, but we don't change in His mind. See? Why? Because God has a specific degree of union with Him, holiness, we call it, for every one of you. And it's all different. See, we're all different. And we are called to be different because it glorifies God. He just doesn't make robots. Now, why you say, well, why are some holier than others? Well, that's your fault. <laughs> that's not his fault. If we accept the good, the bad, and indifferent of every day, every day, we'll all be holy in a different way. The people you know and trust are on EWTN. 60 Seconds with Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. Man who's free to love is free to hate. He who is free to obey is free to rebel. Virtue in this concrete order is possible only in those spheres in which it is possible to be vicious. A man can be a saint only in a church in which it is possible to be a devil. You say, well, if I were God, I would destroy evil. Well, if you did that, you would destroy human freedom. God will not destroy freedom 
If we do not want any dictators on this earth, certainly we do not want any dictators in the kingdom of heaven. And those, therefore, who would blame God for allowing man freedom to go on hindering and thwarting his work are like those who, seeing blots and smudges and errors in the student's notebook, would condemn the teacher for not snatching away the book and doing the copy himself. The people you know and trust are on EWTN. Teresa Tamio. Every time I go to Mass and see my husband serving on the altar as a deacon, it hits me how, with God, all things are possible. I mean, there is no way that we should be still married, number one, based on all the problems we had. But number two, the fact that I'm in Catholic media and my husband is a deacon is simply a testimony to the power of God and the teachings of the Church that saved our marriage and, more importantly, our souls. Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio heard right here on Domestic Church Media weeknights at 5. Pope Francis reminds us that it does not take a specialized degree in theology to become a great evangelist. We're all called to evangelize. Think about the woman at the well. After she encountered Jesus, she immediately went into the city and invited others to meet him as she had. You and I can go out now and do the same. And St. Paul Street Evangelization can help. Get involved today by contacting us at streetevangelization.com. That's streetevangelization.com. My family left the church because of a, a, a very negative experience with a specific priest. And that took my whole family away from going to church for a long period of time. There were other Catholic churches and there were great Catholic churches and great priests, but we stopped because of that one specific instance. And in a way, I was, I was cheated out a big part of my journey and my life uh, because we weren't in the church. In life, it seems like we're always enslaved to something. And I think that's, that's basically where our, what our culture is all about right now is we are, we are enslaved to power or to greed or to wealth or to lust, but there's a true freedom to not be enslaved, but to attach ourselves to God and to be free. My involvement in the church, my relationship with God is who I am. It, it's what gives me my identity. Thank God I'm home. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for whatever reason, we invite you to take another look. Visit catholicscomehome.org today. Bishop Robert Barron. Tolkien has reached out to, you know, Nordic culture and literature and Icelandic sagas and all sorts of things. He learned a lot about the good, the true, and the beautiful from his study of pre-Christian cultures. He used narrative forms that were accessible to the culture. He adapted that to evangelical purposes. So that shows you that flexibility. It shows you a certain um, creativity in the evangelical uh, art. He did not proselytize. Rather, he very delicately and indirectly and cleverly evangelized through the imagination so that someone taking in these great stories of Tolkien or his friend C.S. Lewis, they're going to say, oh yeah, I get that. I recognize that pattern. So that finally when they hear the gospel, they'll say, yeah, I understand that. I learned that from the Lord of the Rings. I learned that pattern from the Narnia stories. And that was the genius of those fellas. The leading Catholic voices are on EWTN Radio. Welcome back, friends, on this uh, lovely, lovely February 2nd, the Feast of the Presentation of Our Lord. 
And um, I know the secular world uh, remembers today as Groundhog Day, and I think that they said that that rodent saw its um, shadow over there in uh, Pennsylvania. But uh, I don't know how, because they said this morning was so foggy you couldn't even see in front of your hand, front of your front of your face. So somehow the groundhog saw its shadow. That means six more weeks of winter, I think. I've been checking the forecast, and I'm seeing that uh, between now and two weeks from now, it's in the 40s. I don't know. Which I guess is still winter, but no snow. Oh, by the way, I do have to say once again, if I can get there, let's see if I, yeah, I do. Uh, as I mentioned yesterday, you know, we had that uh, storm, snowstorm over the weekend. And uh, anytime we have a snowstorm, I get a little concerned because uh, our beautiful facility here is um, uh, in Ewing, New Jersey, and, and we're back off the main road, and it's uh, about a, a tenth of a mile driveway back here to the building. And so when we have snow, well, you know, uh, if it's a big snowstorm, I can't get back here. But God bless the good people, Joe, and the good people over at Exquisite Landscape in Yardville, New Jersey, who, uh, out of the goodness of their heart and so generously, plow our driveway and our parking lot. And uh, they do it as a gift. And we are so grateful to them. Exquisite landscape over in Yardville, New Jersey. They do land design, lawn service, tree service, hardscaping. Uh, And their phone number is 609-712-5111. 712-5111, Exquisite Landscape in Yardville, New Jersey. They do land design, lawn service, tree service, hardscaping, and they plow our driveway and parking lot for nothing. Good, good people. Thank you, Joe. God bless you and all the good people over at Exquisite Landscape in Yardville, 609-712-5111. Good, 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 holy people. And that saves us a lot of money here, really does. Uh, you know, it, it, when we had it, we first came into this building ten years ago, over ten years ago, and I didn't know anybody at the time, so we had to have this the driveway and the lot plowed. I think they charge us close to a thousand dollars to do it, so it saves us a lot of money. Uh, God bless them and keep them in your prayers, and you know. Okay, so let's uh, go to. Familiaris Consortio. This is a beautiful apostolic exhortation that St. Pope John Paul II did, uh, gave us in uh, 1981. Is It was a result of a, a synod on the family. And it's one of the first documents uh, by John Paul that I ever read and uh, had a great impact. And as I said uh, last week or two weeks ago when, when we began this, I, I, I do believe that this particular exhortation Familiaris Consortio on the family uh, had an enormous effect on us and our work and what the focus of our work would be here at Domestic Church Media and even the name of the apostolate. Because in there, St. Pope John Paul II teaches about the domestic church and the importance of family. And as you know, in today's world, a family as the basic cell of society is under horrible, horrible attack. And Sister uh, um, Lucia from Fatima said that, that the final battle 
would be over marriage and the family. And we have to build up the family, strengthen the family, secure the family, unite the family. So this exhortation now, 41 years old, is as contemporary as ever. And in this particular section in the document, Holy Father St. Pope John Paul talks about the indivisible unity of conjugal communion. He writes, The first communion is the one which is established and which develops between husband and wife. By virtue of the covenant of married life, man and woman are no longer two but one flesh, and they are called to grow continually in their communion through day-to-day fidelity to their marriage, promise of total mutual giving. And just that one paragraph, this has been the teaching of people of God from the very beginning. When God created Adam and Eve, male and female, he created them, and he told them to be fruitful and multiply. It's been the teaching from the beginning. It's the way God intended it to be that marriage is a union between one man and one woman. And Holy Father John Paul says the first communion is the one which is established and develops between husband and wife by virtue of the covenant of married life. Married life. The man and the woman. Not the man and the man, not the woman and the woman. Not the one who identifies as a man or the one who identifies as a woman. No, the man and the woman, the biological man and the biological woman are no longer two but one flesh, and they are called to grow continually in their communion through day-to-day fidelity to their marriage promise of total mutual self-giving. And there, too, doesn't our culture uh, promote infidelity? So many ways. You know, Cheryl and I have to chuckle now because uh, we've grown up a lot in the 36 years that we've been married. <laughs> but 36 years ago, when we first got married, before the children, uh, I was, you know, still in the secular world, as was Cheryl. We weren't doing what we do today. We were still, although having been raised as Catholics and practicing our faith nominally, uh, we, we kind of laugh and cringe now at the same time. When we used to spend our our nights uh, watching soap operas. <laughs> you know the night remember the the nighttime soap operas that were on it was a Knott's Landing and Dynasty. We would even tape uh, videotape one soap one daytime soap opera and watch it at night. Couldn't do that today. We wouldn't even think to do that today. But you know what those things promote? I mean there's there's infidelity galore. All kinds of crazy stuff going on, and this is promoting it. But we know that as the church teaches, because Jesus revealed it to the church, because God intended it to be this way from the beginning, that a married couple are called to grow continually in their communion through day-to-day fidelity to their marriage promise of mutual self-giving. The conjugal, this is from John Paul, the conjugal communion sinks its roots in the natural complementarity that exists between man and woman. Again, you know, we hear today about when the Supreme Court redefined 
marriage. Well, you can't redefine that. There's a complementarity that exists between man and woman for a purpose and a reason. And Holy Father writes, it is nurtured through the personal willingness of the spouse to share their entire life project, what they have and what they are. For this reason, such communion is the fruit and the sign of a profoundly human need. But in the Lord Christ, God takes up this human need, confirms it, purifies it, and elevates it, leading it to perfection through the sacrament of matrimony. The Holy Spirit, who is poured out in the sacramental celebration, offers Christian couples the gift of a new communion of love that is the living and the real image that of that unique unity which makes the Church the indivisible mystical body of the Lord Jesus. Again, getting back to the natural complementarity, the, just our, our, our human nature, male and female, the complementarity that exists between a man and a woman, Holy Father reminds us it's nurtured through this personal willingness of, of the spouses to share their entire life project, what they have and what they are. For this reason, this communion is the fruit and the sign of a profoundly human need. I remember John Paul one time teaching, and I believe it's in uh, Theology of the Body. John Paul once taught uh, when addressing the uh, situation of pornography, he said, it's not that pornography shows too much. Pornography shows too little. But what did he mean by that? Well, it's not the outward sign of pornography, what it shows, just basic human biology. It shows too little that the act between a man and a woman in the bond of marriage with the purpose of procreating, of cooperating with Almighty God to bring forth a new life, that's completely void, missing in pornography. And that's the whole purpose of that particular act. John Paul said, it's not that the pornography shows us too much things, we, you know, all this human biological images. It shows us much too little because it completely ignores the purpose of that. John Paul goes on to say, the gift of the Spirit is a commandment of life for Christian spouses and at the same time a stimulating impulse so that every day they may progress toward an ever-richer union with each other on all levels of the body, of the character, of the heart, of the intelligence and will, and of the soul, revealing in this way to the Church and to the world the new communion of love given by the grace of Christ. There's nothing more beautiful than the total self-giving and commitment of one spouse to the other over the course of a lifetime. I, I remember I used to wonder when I was in my late teens, and at that time my, my parents were married maybe 25 years, and I remember having a conversation with one of my best pals because his parents was about a little married a little bit longer than mine, but we would sit. remember one time we were sitting around and we were saying, how do our parents still have anything to say to each other after all these years? How do, what do they find to say to each other? And, you know, sometimes it's funny. 
and those of you who are married as long as Cheryl and I are longer, you know, there's even that unspoken communication that exists between spouses. You don't have to say anything. <laughs> you, don't have to. you know, when you first go out on dates, remember the first dates? Oh, it's so long ago. You have a first date with someone, <laughs> and there's those awkward silences. You know, now what do I say? What do I say? Oh, okay. say, say, say something. Say something. <laughs> Just try to make small talk. I don't know if it's still that way now with all the technology the kids use. But when we were dating, yeah, you literally had to talk face-to-face. You had to pick up a phone and call a girl if you wanted to ask her out. You couldn't text. <laughs> you had to call, dial the phone a few times before you really got, just got up the nerve to complete the call. For me, anyway. I was very shy. And you get married, and you know you have these silences. It's this this unspoken communication that exists. It's part of that, you know, level that Holy Father's talking about here. The level of the heart, the, the level of of the soul, revealing that there is this bond that exists. You know, and we've we've talked about it, and I'm sure. Many of you have talked about it, too, and we're getting to be at that age now where you start to think about things like this. You know, I'm 67, and uh, feel good, though. Feel good. Going to see my doctor tomorrow, getting things checked out, and I have to have that back surgery. This minor surgery, but it's, it's, it's back surgery in March. That, so they make you through this whole thing about going to see a cardiologist. you got to get your medical clearance from your doctor and all this stuff. So I'm going through all these things, and everything looks good so far. Uh, but you get to that age, you know, where you say, okay, so we're coming to the end of the road here. <laughs> There's a lot more of my life in my past than there is in my future on this earth. And, you know, Cheryl and I, we, we, we talk about it. Said, so, well, you know, there's going to come a point where one of us is going to have to plan the other's funeral. It sounds kind of macabre, but it's true. Married couples, you realize that. You go have gone through an entire life together, and you come into a point in your life where you're saying, well, one of us is going to go first, barring a catastrophe of some kind. And one of us is going to have to plan the other's funeral and make all the arrangements and then live and go back to and live in an empty house where the other person's not there anymore, bodily, spiritually, yes. I can believe that with all my heart. I, I, and there, I'm sure I speak to many of you who are widows and widowers. I can't imagine what that first night alone is like. But you see, that's all just part of the commitment you make in the very beginning. I will love you until death parts us. And we believe that even when death parts us, we will see our spouse again. It's not the end. I remember when my mom passed away, and my mom and dad were in their house, and, and my mom had just come back from the hospital the day before. She had had a little bit of a heart issue, and uh, they released her. And, you know, I went to, to uh, take her home from the hospital. I went to pick her up, and uh, I went to her hospital room, and, and uh, she was sitting in the chair, and she was getting dressed, and, and I went down to to put her little slippers on her feet because she had bare feet. And I went to put the slippers. We're going to go outside. I'm going to put your slippers on your feet to go outside. And I knelt down and I was putting her shoes on. She goes, oh, you're putting my shoes on for me. I said, you're like, you're like uh, Cinderella. 
I'm like the prince. <laughs> anyway, I drove her home. And she had been in the hospital for about a week. My father was sitting at the kitchen table when we walked in. And they were both, my father at the time was, I guess, 90. My mother was five years younger, 85. And when I brought her into the house and it was into the kitchen, my father was sitting. My father stood up and my mother was there. And they just kind of shuffled toward each other. They were married 62 years. And they just kind of shuffled toward each other and kissed each other. And then within 24 hours, she, she was gone. And the next day that they were watching the news or something in the, late in the afternoon, and she had said she had to use the restroom, and she went to the restroom and then just dropped dead. But I remember going in to the house that afternoon. My sisters were already there. There was my mother's body on the floor, covered up. But they, they, the EMTs couldn't do anything until the police got there, just to, you know, do protocol. And I saw my father sitting at the dining room table, and I went over to him, and, and I just put my arm around. And I said, well, we'll see her again. We'll see her again. And he said, I know, I know, I know. So That's the beauty of our faith. But we all have to face that reality. But it's through our entire life, this beautiful communion that we have with our spouse as man and woman, as husband and wife, that is intended to last a lifetime here in this world. And Holy Father says it's the gift of the Spirit that, that really enriches this union. Uh, he said such a communion is radically contradicted by polygamy, that this, in fact, directly negates the plan of God, which has revealed from the beginning because it is contrary to the equal personal dignity of men and women who in matrimony give themselves with a love that is total and therefore unique and exclusive. As the Second Vatican Council writes, firmly established by the Lord, the unity of marriage will radiate from the equal personal dignity of husband and wife, a dignity acknowledged by mutual and total love. And again, those of you who, uh, like me, you know, are married uh, for many years, and it's uh, um, for us, it's thirty. 36 years, we, we celebrated our 36th uh, anniversary uh, in December. Doesn't seem that long. Um, but we, there's no question, you know, if we, was like any other married couple, you have your, your disagreements, <laughs> and your, your situations, you know, you have to deal with. But you move on. And there's never been any any discussion other than okay we'll work our way through this and just continue to the, ne- to the next phase <laughs> to the next uh, stage of life you know what what changed for us in, in a big way of course for as you know those of you who were in the situation is when the grandchildren start coming all of a sudden it's a whole new role it's a whole new I always say when we became grandparents and we have three beautiful little grandchildren who unfortunately we don't see right now because of the the pandemic situation. And we're praying soon that changes. Um, but what we both agreed is that when you have those, when you when the, when the grandchildren start coming, it's like you all of a sudden discover this reserve of love, this reservoir of love you never even knew existed that now is just gushing forth. It's a whole new expression uh, that you never even you and you imagine you imagine it. You imagine what it's going to be like, but you don't realize it until you get there. And then even your relationship with your spouse changes. You know, now you become, for us, it's Nana and Papa. 
you're a whole new, uh, not a different, but a, a whole new additional person, a whole new part of you that exists that has blossomed and bloomed and now becomes this, this additional part of who you are. And, I, and, and as I said, this reservoir of love that you never even knew existed begins to gush forth. That's for us, for me, and, and Cheryl, that's what becoming grandparents has done for us. And it just it, it solidifies even that union that we are now Nana and Papa. And we are these two people that it, you can't have one without the other. It's like, as the old song goes, love and marriage. <laughs> That's the beauty of it. And if you allow yourself to grow in that and grow in those, those roles together, you see just an enormous, an enormous uh, bursting forth of continuation of the love you expressed and, and, and professed for each other and the vow you made so many years earlier at your own wedding day. And that's what John Paul is teaching here in this beautiful document, this beautiful section of this document, Meliaris Consortio, on the family. You can read it yourself. Go to the Vatican website, www.vatican.va, and uh, check it out. Familiaris Consortio, 1981 Apostolic Exhortation. I have to stop here because I see my time is just about up, and i got to go. But I'll be back tomorrow, and we'll do more of this next week, but I'll be back tomorrow, my friends, God willing. It's Catechism Day, so have a great rest of your day. Thank you for being a part of my day. My name is Jim Manfredonia. God bless you and God love you.